0: I want you to look closely with me at this message today there are two groups of people in the world they're believers and non-believers you divide them up in two groups believers and non-believers forget the religious names that you give to the people either they believe in the resurrected lord jesus christ that he is the son of god the word that became flesh dwelt among us crucified on friday rose from a grave on sunday ascended 40 days later and is one day coming back to this earth again. There are those that believe that and those that don't. All other gods that have ever come have died. Their graves are scattered all over the world. There is one hope, and Jesus said, I am that hope, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. God says one thing, the world says something else. God says, I'm the light, the world says, I like the darkness. I am drawn to the darkness. I am drawn to those things that are on the cutting edge of right and wrong, some that are just vehemently wrong. And I am just confused because my friends do this and those in my town do that. In Mark 16, 15, the Lord said, go into the world and preach the word. Go into the dark world and preach the light go into where there's darkness and take the light and I am the light of the world in John 1 10 we read these words he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him John 3:19. and this is a condemnation listen to this that light is coming to the world but men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are are evil. Now, God sets all of this up for us this morning. God allows us to see that there's two, there's two things that stand diabolically apart darkness and light. When you can't put the two together, when you turn on the light, the darkness leaves. When the darkness comes in, the light is, is gone. That's the only two darkness and light. There's not many shades, it's darkness. And light. Now, people, have you ever had anybody tell you this? These are people in the darkness. They'll say something like this to you. Now, don't you judge me. You have no right to judge me. You ever have? Yeah, sure you have. Let me tell you something. You need to remember this next time somebody tells you that I'm not your judge. We've already been judged. He is the judge, he is the righteous judge. And you know what he says? Guilty of every one of us. Romans 3:23 for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. First John 1 John 1:8 If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. From the moment Adam and Eve in that perfect world, in that perfect environment, chose to disobey a clear word from God of one commandment, don't eat that tree. They did. And from that moment to now, every single person that's come into existence has come as a sinner, which is verified by the fact that no person ever had to be taught to do bad. We come selfish, we get mad, we cry when we don't get our way before we can even talk. And then mother comes and picks you up and then the little baby goes, hmm, got you, didn't mom? You thought I really had a problem. I just want you to hold me, take care of me. Well, that's just the way it is, darkness and light. And the Lord makes it very, very, very clear when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. Now, here's the battle. The battle is between who the world thinks Jesus is and who Jesus said he is that's the battle the world will argue in a quick just like that that jesus cannot be the only way he said he's the only way the scripture says he's the only way god the father said he's the only way well i just don't choose to believe that that's the right that people have but you see in this world we come into darkness and when we get exposed to the light, when you're in darkness, if you've ever opened your eyes in a situation that went from darkness to bright light, you know how you squint and all because, boy, the darkness, I mean, the light just really, ooh, just makes me, you know, just want to put my head under the pillow again. But Jesus said in, in John eight 12, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but he'll have the light of life. Now, what is a missionary? A missionary is a person that takes the light into the darkness. They're the one that takes the light into the darkness. Now, all of us live in some way, in some place, in in a dark world. It may be where you work. It may be where you go to school. It may be in your neighborhood. It could be in a nation. But the darkness is all over the globe of sin. Where people do what they want to do And they call it freedom I'll do what I want to do With who I want to do it When I want to do it And where I want to do it And don't bother me Because I've got a constitutional right To do such and such Well you may have all that constitutional right But you don't have God's permission God says it's a sin God says it'll lead to death God says it will separate you from the light And you will not see the truth and it's the light and the truth that sets you free. So, a missionary takes the light into the darkness. John, uh, Jesus said in John 20, 21, As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. Why did God send Jesus? God sent Jesus to the world so they would see what the true God was like, how he loved people, how he had laid down his life and be crucified on a cross when he could have called 10,000 angels how he would rescue them from the prison of darkness. He would set them from the sinking sand onto the solid rock, never leave them, never forsake them, but would lead them in the path of righteousness instead of unrighteousness. So when we read the scripture and we see it all begin to unfold, as God sent Jesus who was a light to the world, then Jesus sends us with that light jesus is the light jesus lives in our heart we carry the light into the darkness that's what missionaries do but the bible says they can't go unless they commit to go they cannot go unless somebody sends them to go and so that makes an organization it takes many different spiritual gifts Those spiritual gifts are given to each of us. When you become a believer, you're gifted with a certain gift. I met a wonderful young man a while ago that is a very, very gifted young man. I could just tell by talking with him from a musician and from the arts. And he just wants to serve the Lord. And he just wants to make himself available to the Lord. And we're going to talk more. But that's what what it's like when you let your light so shine before men that they see the good works. But they glorify the Father in heaven. What is, by the, way, by the way, what is the life? Me? No. He's the life. Let your light. Who's your light? Jesus is your life. He's the light of the world. He's the one that people need to see. He's what they're looking for. Now, they don't know what they're looking for. So it takes them a while sometimes. Sometimes it takes a long, long, long time. But now I'm going to say something that I hope that I'm not misunderstood. I prayed extensively about this next statement. But the thing that motivates a lot of us is the needs of man rather than the commands of Jesus. It is very easy, folks, for all of us to see the needs of the world and rush out to meet the need before we wait on the Lord to go with us or to know what we're going over there to do, whether it's across the street, across the classroom, or across the world. We are so focused today on needs because they're everywhere and we can tear up over the hungry the hurting the naked that need to be clothed that's okay if it's through the lives of jesus but sometimes we run around jesus and say no jesus you're going to have to wait here because we take you with us we will offend them we will say the wrong thing and we're just going to sneak up on them we're going to put on our camouflage and we're going to run out there and we're going to do nice things And all the time, the Lord says, wait, 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 wait. What about me? Wait there, Lord. We're going to take care of this. We'll get them all to where all you have to do is just come in there. It's going to all bow down before. I don't think so. I think the battle is his battle because he says it's his battle. We are just soldiers under the order of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He says, you go and I will go with you. Well, the only way he's going to go with us is for him to be in us. And when He is in us, our love is for Him more than any of these other things. Those things are important, but they're not the major thing. God's written Word and living Word is the most important thing for the world to know, that He is alive, that He cares, He forgives. There's a future for failures. You don't have to have a judge. You don't have to have a jury. You don't have to have a lawyer. What you have to have is Jesus. And when He He goes because you invited him to go. He cannot be pushed on you. He goes because you say, Lord, I want you to come into my life. You know, our, our tendency, and all of us are guilty of this, is to look at our successes, our successes, rather than his sufferings. It is so easy to get away from this. Now follow this. There are two ordinances in in the church. Number one is baptism. We saw baptism today. What is baptism? What does it picture? It pictures the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Right? You understand that? All right. It pictures what happens to us when Jesus comes in. We die to an old life. We're buried with Christ in baptism. We're raised to walk in a new life. All right. It's an outward sign of an inward experience. That's what baptism is. Now, what is the other ordinance? Communion. Why do we do that? Oh, I don't know. We've just always done it. I can remember my great-great-grandfather talking about how he loved communion. No, wait, 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 wait. Why do we do it? What does it say on the altar tables? In remembrance of me. You see, the Lord, he wants us, don't you forget that I rose from the grave. And don't you forget that what you are is my disciple. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. You can't do all of these things to the glory of God if you don't have permission of God to do them. And the Lord has said to us, you go and you teach the nations, you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's where you start. Then all these other things are added to you. It is very easy, folks, very easy, me and you included, to weep. Over the things Jesus weeps over, but we don't see people through the eyes of God. The Lord weeps not because they're hungry, He weeps because they're not saved. They haven't had the bread of life, they have not had a new born again experience. They don't understand that God is there all of the time, not just when times are good. That not only is He there when the doctor says the tests are negative, praise the Lord and the same doctor says the tests are positive, and you still say, praise the Lord. Because I know that all things work together for good to those that do what? Called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? To represent Jesus. So as we think about this, how does it all fit in? Well, let me just put it one other way. Everything we do ought to be motivated by our love for God not our passion for people. Keep them in order. If you love God, you'll have passion for people, but you'll have passion for the right people, the people that God wants to point you towards because he is opening up their hearts to the gospel. So when we come together and we do our mission things and we send out people, and by the way, some of those missionaries that were be called back or probably some that stood on this very stage a few months ago and had spent years in planning and learning the languages to go to the othermost part of the world, and they are now being faced with maybe they'll be coming right back home because there's no money to keep them there. So when we talk about our foreign mission offering, we will do it without any apologies. We'll do it because, first of all, nobody can give unless God first gives to you. But when we start using our funds on people instead of this way, we got a problem, so we got to deal with it. God loves us. He's going to see us through this. He's going to help us understand. And Matthew 28 says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. But everything we do, and I hope I don't offend you by saying it, ought to be done not because of our love for the person or the people, but because of our love for God and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we're always tempted to think like people rather than think like Jesus whenever we have the wisdom of God things begin to really work out for us i hear people say all the time well god expects us to use our head where is that in the bible i have heard so many people tell me that you know we'll come out doing something when our church said we we're going to get out of debt 1975 i had a lot of calls to say when i preach her that's not reasonable not practical, and I think God wants us to use our head. I don't find that. Everything I find about my head doesn't really flatter me. You know, <laughs> God's chosen the, the simple things this world to confound the wise. You know, <laughs> our wisdom is foolishness to God. I mean, it doesn't really make me feel like I'm valedictorian, if you know what I mean. It, it, it means, though, that God says, listen, I just want your, my heart to be right. I want you to see what I see and see people as I see them. And I will take care of some things if you will go and carry them the gospel. If you read uh, Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, listen to these words. Third chapter, verse 6. For I am the Lord and I change not. God has never changed and he never will change. You'll never walk the right path knowing what a Christian is. You've got to know who Christ is. Big difference. Big difference. It's very easy for you to find somebody you really admire. There's people in every walk of life. There's all the heroes of the world, the singers, the actors, the athletes, the intellectuals, the whatever. And we look at them and we say, well, I would like to be like them. And then we find the Christians. Oh, I wish I could be like this Christian or that Christian or whatever. You don't want to be like either one. You want to be like Jesus. You want to be like Him. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask, is to be like Him. And our primary goal is not to win the lost. If we follow Jesus, He'll lead us to the lost. And, he'll, and He, when we share the message, will send the Holy Spirit who will convict them and lead them into all truth. He is the one that wins souls, not us. I don't win anybody to Jesus. And if I ever use that binocular, I hope that you'll remind me or the Holy Spirit will. I used to read that that scripture, he that winneth souls is wise. And I think as long as I'm winning souls, I'm wise. He that winneth souls is wise. His name is Jesus. He's the one that wins the loss. We're simply the evidence. We provide the evidence. We show the path. But every one of us needs to understand it's all about him. Do it in remembrance of me. When you go out to the world, do it in remembrance of me. When you forsake all to follow me, be sure you're doing it in remembrance for me, not looking for a career that you'll be happy in. There's such a big difference, folks. You know, Jesus reached the ultimate climax of following God when he went to the cross. Remember that day? That's what it cost him. But what happened three days later? Up from the grave, he arose. That's the way following God is. This has to be a crucifixion, death to an old life, and then a brand new life. That's what the Christian faith is all about. God showed his purpose and his power for Jesus when he raised him from the dead. I'll make a statement, and you may want to do some Bible study to see if I'm accurate on this. But did you know that most of Jesus' disciples left him when they realized where he was going now think about it many times you read in the New Testament and they saw him no more why because following Jesus is much more serious than most going to church people think it means forsaking everything it means that he has preeminence. You would not think of, of getting, giving your loyalty, your love, your finances, anything else to anybody that would excel your love for him and your love for the gospel. All of us that are here today can probably identify, if you've been a Christian very long, to what Peter said, that, that down-to-earth guy that i never i can't even read anything peter wrote without bringing this up to you because he was so much like most of us i mean he had a he had a foot-shaped mouth i know he did when i see him in heaven i'm gonna look for the guy that's got a foot-shaped mouth because he kept his foot in it all the time you know he had that foot mouth disease or hoof and mouth disease or whatever I want you to listen to what this man wrote in the 10th chapter of Mark. You ready for this? See if you could, could have written that. I think I could have had days when I would have wrote this very stuff. Then Peter began to say unto Jesus, Lo, he made that sound spiritual, Lo, we have left all and have followed you, Jesus And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or his wife or his children or lands for my sake and the gospel's sake, that he shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. BUT MANY THAT ARE FIRST SHALL BE LAST AND THE LAST first. YOU HEAR PETER INTERRUPTS HIM. OH, I KNOW ONE OF THESE DAYS WE'RE GOING TO SWEEP BY AND BY AND EVERYTHING WILL BE PERFECT. HE SAID, NO, 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 NO. PETER, YOU FOLLOW ME, YOU LOVE ME, AND I'LL BLESS YOU IN THIS LIFE AS WELL AS IN THE LIFE TO COME. THE JOY OF THE LORD IS WALKING WITH HIM. THE JOY OF THE LORD IS KNOWING THAT HE LIVES IN YOUR LIFE. The joy of knowing the Lord is when you go to that doctor and he says, we've run all the tests and they've all come back negative and you say, praise the Lord, call the prayer group. Or if he says, or she says, you have a very serious whatever, praise the Lord. You're the great physician. God, I belong to you. I don't know what you're doing. But i know one thing if i live i live unto the lord if i die i die unto the lord and whether i live or whether i die i'm the lord jesus did not go to that cross until the very moment the father had it planned because he knew three days later there's going to be resurrection It was all in place this was just the middle of the story he's buried the, the centurion says surely this man was the son of god and three days later I'm sure he was watching the news that day and and the news said all over the world, he has risen like he said. And that centurion said, I told you soldiers that, I told you. This guy was not like all the rest. Why was he not like the rest? Because he was the son of God. He was God in the flesh. That's what Christians are, folks. We're weird to some. We shock others. How in the world could you be happy and not do some of the stuff that the world enjoys doing it? because I keep up with what the world's doing and how it turns out. And I watch the Charlie Sheen stories that were on this week. I know the man's history. I, I saw all of that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, just name them. The athletes, the great mega millionaires, your actors, your singers, you name it all, and even people that claim to be God's people that were living in sin. And God let me live long enough to see some of that kind of stuff. That doesn't affect me one iota, not one. It didn't when I was young, but it sure doesn't now. Why? Because you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. I know when I was seven years old, I gave my heart to Jesus. And by the grace of God, I've survived this war. It's a spiritual war, but God in us is stronger than the gods of this world. But we have got to become the church again. We're not a bunch of religious people getting to have a few easy thoughts that we can just kind of feel good today. And by tonight, I will be right back to the old life. God help us if we choose that way of life. We cannot make disciples if we're not disciples of Jesus. Our responsibility is to bring people to Jesus. Now, here's the question I've got to ask myself, and you've got to ask yourself. Do I know the risen, living Lord Jesus? Is there anything that I, in the quietness of my personal life, When I'm alone, can I know something in my life that I know that Jesus lives in my heart? You ask me how I know he lives. He lives in my life. Can you say that? Or has it been religious do's and don'ts? That's the question. Have old things passed away and all things become new? Do you want to please people more than you want to please God? Do you want to depend on this world instead of God for your life let me tell you something it's hard for God to pick up his children when they're trying to live a long way away from him think about that it's hard for God you say God why don't you pick me up and the Lord would say why don't you move on over here and be still and know that I'm God why don't you walk with me why don't you do what I'm wanting you to do Why are you doing what you're doing with who you're doing it with? You think I picked all that, put it together, and now you're wanting God to bless? Listen. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I'm his own. Isn't it wonderful to know that you know that he loves you anyway? And you know, when I really get to thinking about how bad I am, it really makes me feel good. All the stuff that God has forgiven. Wow. We, all, we serve an awesome, awesome God. Well, Mark 1 says they were astonished at his doctrine because he taught them as one that had authority, not as the other religious leaders. Mark 1, 21 and 22. People all over the world, including Houston, walk in darkness until they come to the light of Jesus. Not a single one of us would argue the fact that it's very easy to get off course. It's very easy to find out what others are doing and do it with them. And I want to close by giving you something to think about. We're praying for miracles this Christmas. I'm praying that we'll see the news turn around and say that some of these cancellations have been canceled that we're going some more. They're going to stay. We're not quitting. The battle's not over. Jesus hadn't come back to this world again. But when we celebrate Christmas and, we, and the birth of Jesus and we only try to de- de- determine the physical needs of people, we're going to miss the main thing. That does not mean we do away the other, not at all but don't replace that and feel like the job is finished. How much time are you going to spend with your family this Christmas, your friends? What are you going to give them? You going to be invited to any parties? I bet you will at the office, maybe in the neighborhood, maybe with the family. If you're an invited guest, Think about this, and I'm through. Have you ever thought about asking the question, is Jesus invited to this party? Oh, no, we don't talk about that down here at the office. I just wanted to know because it will determine whether I'm coming to the party or not. Because if Jesus isn't going to be there and he's not invited, why in the world would I want to go? Who do I need to meet at that party? You know, what, what, what do what I need that they're going to serve as refreshments? You know, what, what, what is, what, what's this all about? We're going to have a Christmas party celebrating the birth of Jesus and he's not even invited? You help me with that. Well, Santa Claus is coming. Well, okay, Santa Claus, all right. You know, if, you know, if you're a child, okay, whatever. But here's the point. Is Jesus invited? Because as long as Jesus... Is invited I would have some comfort level because I'm gonna stick close to him and when Jesus says it's time for us to leave the party we're out now we may not go get in a Rolls Royce we might get be in an humble carriage or we didn't walk but the point I'm telling you is folks keep the main thing the main thing don't get with the world and say this is a time to get drunk this is a time to cheat on your wife this is a time to get involved in all the things this world to do it and then it will pass and let's overeat and overdrink and overdo this and overdo that because it only comes once a year yeah but if you live long enough that comes a lots of times god's word or man's world that's it that's the battle choose you this day who you're going to serve joshua said it's for me and my house we're going to serve the lord not with what not with arrogance but with humility but I don't want to confuse the people that I love or I work with to believe that I'm comfortable with bringing my Lord into this kind of environment. That's what we're talking about. Be careful what movies you go to. Be careful what you get yourself involved in. Christmas is the toughest time of the year for suicides. Read the statistics. A lot of times this Christmas, recalls a horrible Christmas of yesteryear. And what we've got to do is stop and say, listen, I'm going to follow the Lord and wherever he leads. The secret of disciples' life is genuine devotion to Christ.